Hi, this is Darren Dockerman, one half of the Inglorious Trexperts, and we just want to encourage you to not only listen to the Inglorious Trexperts, but also listen to our sister podcasts, the 430 Movie and The Rebel and the Rogue and The Best Movies Never Made. We have so much for you to listen to on the Electric Surge Network, so give it a listen. Hey, are you Darren Docterman from the 430 movie? Why, why, yes, I am. Well, I recognize you because I have the Electric Now app, and I get to see all these great Electric Surge podcasts on video for the first time ever. I'm delighted. I'm delighted that uh, you came up to me and said hello. Well, I got to tell you, how can I watch all these incredible podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The Best Movies Never Made, and uh, other things? Well, you can find us on uh, Distro and on uh, uh, the Electric Now app. And Stir. And Stir. See, I I, I knew you knew it. I did know. Because I'm not really a stranger (laughs) on the street. I'm Mark A. Altman, your (laughs) co-host. Well, maybe I should have been watching these podcasts all along. I would have recognized you. Join us on Electric Now, currently streaming on Distro TV and Stir, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. And welcome back to Best Movies Never Made, the podcast where we explore interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. I am your co-host, Josh Miller, and with me, as always, is Mr. Steven Scarlatta. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Can't complain. Uh, Today, we are concluding our accidental two-part. All our two-part stuff seems very accidental and almost never planned. Um, (laughs) Where we did a two-part ep- Spider-Man episode that ballooned into four parts. Wow! So, so actually, we're doing pretty good. Okay, good. That this yeah. is only two parts for um, Elliot and Rocio and Roger Avery's The Sandman. Joining us again are our guests B- Bria Grant and Mallory O'Meara. Hey! Hi! Still Hi. here? Still here? Still here? <laughs> um, and people will have listened to the first Great. one. If you're if you're just joining us They're now, smart go back. Listeners. Go back. Go back. Go back. Can you imagine just starting with part two of a podcast? (laughs) There's there's probably people who do it. (laughs) Probably people who do it. Well, where we left off in the script last time is we had just met the character Rose Walker, who is a mortal college-aged lady who can't dream at all, and her friends are planning a surprise birthday party for her. Uh, Her other friends from her, like, dream clinic who are all screwed up. I do like her, like gang of skateboarding cool 90s girls yeah, yeah. Have trouble sleeping <laughs> yeah well, trouble sleeping <laughs> yeah um and so this big scene we're gonna read in which we're gonna meet i'll just tee it up for the audience we're gonna meet all the endless uh so it's kind of a big group scene my here favorite we're, scene gonna, in the whole movie. we're gonna read through mm-hmm. it's everyone cool loves scene. the scene where all the people get together yeah mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. this is like the scene in rivendell where all the fellowship meets hard like, to shoot as a director hard to shoot <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we have this many people in a scene all in crazy makeup yes uh and so our sequence begins with the end of the previous scene um and it's rose yeah Oh, well, I guess no one knows their own destiny until it happens, right? Cut to Destiny's book. Close on. The parchment parchment page of ma- of the massive book. In beautiful illuminated script, it reads, we like see in mm-hmm. text form, the line Rose just said, oh, well, I guess no one knows their own destiny until it happens, right? 
uh, when it says Rose said, like you're reading a novel, uh, track <laughs> down. That's how I imagine things go down. And what I like about this part, the crazy thing is, is basically reminds me of that scene in New Nightmare where uh, they're looking at the script that oh, Wes yeah. Craven wrote, and it like leads up through yeah. the scene that she's reading it. Because then we track down to read in Destiny's Garden. Destiny closes his book and went to his gallery, and then Destiny closes the book. It is chained to the wrist of Destiny, oldest of the endless, tall, wearing a hooded cassock. We are in Destiny's Garden. Destiny moves through his garden at a measured pace, assuredly as a blind man in his own familiar home. Perhaps he is blind. Uh, as we do not see his eyes hidden in shadow. Skip ahead a little bit. Um, interior Destiny's Garden, Citadel, Gallery. Six portraits hang on the wall, all painted in romantic style. All the subjects garbed in 18th century, century fashion. Destiny stops in front of the first painting. An ornately framed oil portrait of Death. She in an elegant pose. Death speaks, his voice, or Destiny speaks, his voice. Voice dry as dust. Sister, <laughs> I stand in my gallery and I summon the family to me. It is I, Destiny of the Endless, who calls you. Come. <laughs> Death emerges from out of her portrait into the hallway. She is her usual sunny self, casually dressed. Hiya, big brother. What's up? I am calling a conclave of the Endless, sister. <laughs> do, not fe- do you not feel you should have been more appropriately attired? Death is suddenly wearing a turn-of-the-century satin dress, black leather boots, black silk gloves. The effect is at once wild and elegant. Satisfied? Destiny moves to the next portrait. He does not look at her. Yes, I am satisfied. <laughs> I love this like weird family group chat that yeah. they have. It's just like a bunch of portraits on the wall. He goes to the next portrait. Sibling, I stand in my gallery and I call you. Desire steps out from the portrait. Perfectly symmetrical, perfectly androgynous features. Her or his skin is pale as smoke. His or her eyes tawny and sharp as yellow wine. What does Desire. That mean? <laughs> Desire smiles in brief flashes like moonlit glinting from a knife edge. She or he, I like they just keep this yeah. going, the whole thing, <laughs> is formally dressed, black corset, panties, garters, and stockings. Desire looks around, taking in the place. I see he hasn't redecorated in the last 300 years. So what's the occasion? Destiny will tell us that in his own time, Desire, he won't be rushed. This is Despair, who is emerging from her portrait, a heavy woman naked, fat rolls of fat weighing her down, gray eyes that narrow to tiny points. I see you dress for the occasion, Despair. Shush, be nice. It's been years since the family was together. <laughs> Destiny passes a conspicuous gap where another painting may have hung. The next portrait is a young girl smiling, holding flowers in a summer field. Sister Delirium, youngest of the endless, I stand in my gallery and I call you. Delirium steps into the gallery, looking not all looking not at all like her portrait. Orange hair, her fishnet stockings tattered. One eye is, is vivid emerald green, spattered with silver flecks that move. Her other eye is vein blue. Who knows what delirium sees through her mismatched eyes. Hi, sis. How are you doing? Uh, yesterday I did some really bad stuff. I mean, real bad, you know, but... Today, I did some good things? I don't know. Hush, little sister. There is one more to be summoned. At the end of the gallery is the portrait of Sandman, dressed in the finery of the 17th century. Destiny pauses in front of it. 
And listeners should know that whenever Delirium talks, she all of the type is like cool kids did in the 90s where every other letter is, <laughs> is, in, is capitalized. When Which you're is like, funny hey, to, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to do in a script. I mean, I guess it's still giving the effect of the reader. Uh, but and it's, I yeah. like yeah. it in a it's script. Like that in people do stuff like that, yeah. like visual stuff that mm-hmm. I'm like, well, they're telling me a story. Isn't the, it's like that in the comic though? Whenever she yeah, talks, it is. Uh, yeah. her, all of her dialogue is like kind of weird looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he summons Sandman from his portrait. You know why I've called this family meeting. Brother Dream is back, and she glances at the despair. Glances at the empty chair. I thought you had gone for good. Desire. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got lost over here. Abandon his realm. Abandon his responsibilities. And with underlying animosity, as you know, I had no choice in the matter. Destiny could have told you what was coming, but he wouldn't because he's mean. I could not turn the page (laughs) until it was time for the turning, but I can tell you what has occurred in your absence. Oh, do. This could be fun. Sandman gestures for destiny to continue. The dreams of men became chaotic. One man's dream could infect thousands. Dreams of freedom, dreams of subjugation, dreams of equality, dreams of death. Dark or light made, no matter if the dreamer strong enough, the world has become an unbalanced place. This unbalance has affected the realms of your siblings. Delirium pays no attention. Bright butterflies emanate from her fingertips. I just made butterflies. Look, everybody, look at what I did. Brother Dream, you must decide. Will you repair your kingdom or retu- and return to your throne? I am not sure that I am needed or that I wish to resume my mantle. So we'll stop the scene there. It goes on, but... Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, this is just... This is crazy. Like, it, this is, this I would is the best part of the movie. I know. Yeah. It's a I'm cool just, sequence. But yeah. again, I can imagine these poor, I'm sure, like, 27-year-old <laughs> executives looking at this just being like, ah! Yeah. Why is this so weird? <laughs> Although, as a producer, I would look at this and be like, look at all the cool as fuck cameos yes. that we yeah, can have in this cameos. scene. It's like you do with yeah. Wrath of the Titans and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You're like, oh, think of all the old classy Oscar winners mm-hmm. we can oh, get yeah. for one day. That's yeah. what I'm saying, for cheap as hell. Yeah, I, just one this day would be shoot. the part where I'd be like, hey, yeah, maybe we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> so we also learn in the scene as it goes on. Basically, the rest of the endless are convincing Sandman to, you know, go get your shit together, bro. Come on, <laughs> come on, man, do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we this is where we learn that Rose Walker is in fact the daughter of Rachel, who people remember was the hippie chick that we saw for that one scene in the first one, who got uh, addicted or implied that she was going to become addicted to Sandman's sand pouch. Um, and we can infer that this is why Rose is, doesn't have dreams. We don't know what, but something is connected there. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe in the comic, this is where Constantine is. Yeah, it's Constantine yes. in the comic instead of Rachel isn't even... It's called something, some, I'm trying to remember the name of it in the comic. I mean, they do a good job as we're talking. Yeah. They they manage to streamline mm-hmm. and the fact that obviously they're not going to be able to have Constantine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say It's because... like Constantine's girlfriend in the comic. Well, in, yeah, because uh, mm. they ended up making a movie with Keanu Reeves called Constantine. But right before that, <laughs> Keanu Reeves coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the director uh, Tarzem was going to do Constantine in the late '90s, which I thought would have been interesting visually, but it didn't happen. So maybe that's why they were keeping him out of the script. Well, and not to jump yeah. ahead, but uh, when we get to Hell and see Lucifer, who in the comic books is very obviously just it's David Bowie. Right. They <laughs> trying to look like David Bowie. I thought in Constantine, even though it's not Lucifer, I think it's 
the Archangel Michael, but it's Tilda Swinton's character. Yes. They basically do in also, that same yeah. Bowie glam look, which I'm assuming mm-hmm. was just kind of, they were like, well, no one made the Sandman movie. We're going to poach some yeah. of those ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we learned that, we don't, they learned that uh, Rachel still has the pouch or had the pouch or whatever it is, but we learned that the helm is with a demon in hell uh, and they don't know where the ruby is. And that's when we cut to Alex Burgess, who we'll remember was the son of Roderick Burgess. Oh my God, the scene is so funny. Yeah. It's just the dialogue is so L.A. Like, oh. Yeah. I thought about reading it, but it's, oh my God. it's very long. It is, but yeah. And it is so I'm ridiculous. I'm going to be real. I was not sold on this. Oh, it's stupid. It I, is so, I, so it stupid. It's very different than the comic, too. It is. Yes. It, it's it's Entourage. Yeah. We basically go into an episode of Entourage, and we see that Alex Burgess is living the high life in Hollywood. With He notes Ooh. that he bought his house for Madonna. It's, yeah. It's, so, it's like what I imagine a 15-year-old boy would write about what he thinks LA is like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, and he's like, there. He's like, get go, go get some girls from later. Get one of each kind. Get one of those bikini babes. <laughs> no, that was the one thing I did highlight to read is that he's because his agent is there just doing lines of cocaine. Of yeah. course, with actually, I think there's a moment where there's white powder stuck to his nose. And also, by the way, I just want to say I had a lot of agents. I have not done cocaine with any of them <laughs> or had sex, multiple group sex with them, um, which is what is implied that happens here. That's yeah, it's like it's, you didn't write Aladdin. Like, <laughs> Bria, it's on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting. But he says, so Alex is like leaving his, he's got a big, you know, feel like it's the parties you would hear Shane Black would have in like the late 90s after he was selling scripts for $2 million a piece where there's oh, yeah, just there's like a, a zillion people there. There's mm-hmm. an, uh, there's, I think the opening of the scene is like there's a naked girl with idyllic proportions <laughs> 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 jumping into a pool and it's just like really who wrote this? <laughs> hey, it was the 90s. <laughs> idyllic proportions 90s. in the 90s was like a very skinny person yeah, whose proportions Kate. you couldn't see because she was draped in like flannel and yeah, baggy yes. corduroy pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be great. Um, yeah, but as he's leaving, he as he's leaving the party, he looks back at his agent and he's like, "Pick me out a redhead, will you? And get a couple for yourself. Be sure to get enough of a variety to last us till dawn. Then we'll have pinks deliver and go and then go over the sequel deal." So I it's like so that they're stupid. I, it, I I can't figure out though. Was this supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek? I think so. I think so too. They work I, in Hollywood. I hope. Yeah. Like, so they know so it's not. It's so over the top. And yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. And one thing I've learned though is, for some reason, industry people like love these kind of jokes. Oh, I can totally see mm-hmm. the executives be like, "I order for pinks." Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! Well, I love the pinks line. Everything else has to go in the yeah. entire script. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just make a movie about pinks. Uh, and then Alex goes into the other room, and we see that he is wearing the ruby around his neck, and we understand how, the idea that he is amassed. Uh, all this power and fortune. Um, and I think he even like looks at a portrait of his dad and is kind of just like, you didn't get it. You were trying to get eternal life, which mm. is like tough to get. Well, you could have been getting big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you <could've> cocaine. Been... <laughs> you could have been getting cocaine and pinks. And <laughs> pinks delivered. Actually, it was the 90s. That would have been tough. You had to get, to yeah. get something delivered. No I mean. Postmates yeah, plus... in the 90s. Dude, the line for pinks in the 90s was out of control, too. <laughs> man. It was like down the street. And there was no Postmates. So yeah. that, you had to be real powerful to get <laughs> Pinks delivered. Some poor PA is trying to get pinks for you. Uh, so then he goes in the other room, and then all of a sudden, like I think it's like there's no more party. He like doesn't hear it anymore, and he walks in the other room, and everybody's gone. And the Corinthian shows up, um, and Alex says to the Corinthian, uh, 
I eventually knew you'd come. You were sent by Morpheus, the Dream Lord, the Sandman, and the Corinthian replies. Actually, I'm a free agent now, but we share the same interests. The ruby of reality shaping. Give it to me. And hot dogs in the morning. Yeah, and, and who doesn't love <laughs> Oh, yeah, pigs? this isn't a who eats a hot dog in the morning. <laughs> well, pool. they're going to stay up all night. And then eat a hot dog. Doing cocaine and talking about movie sequels. This is terrible. Variety of babes. Oh, imagine the Corinthian eating a hot dog with one of his (laughs) eye mouths. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, actually, it's interesting. I'm just taking a look through the second draft before Avery. So this entire scene took place on his yacht, and it was minus (laughs) all the... The, the crazy ladies. So <laughs> what you need the babe? It was just yeah, the sequel no talk. Babes. It was just yeah, the sequel and the cocaine uh, and the hot dogs. It was just uh, <laughs> it's him hanging out on a yacht, and it's just Alexander and Carithian. And, yeah. and that was it. Well, what's interesting about that is so that was where Elliot and Rocio's brain was at, and then Roger yeah. Avery was the one who's like, oh. we yeah. need a party full of babes. Okay, okay. Yeah, so because that's what he was doing. I'm guessing yeah, him yeah, and yeah. Tarantino <laughs> with their Oscars. Yeah. I don't even know what he did on Pulp Fiction. Really. I know. He was a co-writer. He I know, did the, but I mean, the, the, like... The Watch story was Oh, his. that was... I was going to say, I felt he did one segment. Yeah. Oh, really? It was The Watch, and that's he also did scene. Killing Zoe, also rape. I mean, I think that's that was why he got the Sandman project, is that Killing Zoe, I think, won something at Cannes Film Festival. That was like... This was the era where all those well, post... Yeah. Tarantino directors well, were just like And now he's like, like I can shit. do what I really yeah. want to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Scenes with babes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also the Oscar helps. Yeah. You know. <laughs> helps. Too. Besides Os- killings. Oscar means you get to put babes in movies. Yes. No more um, not. But uh, so then the Corinthian takes the ruby from Alex um, and he reshapes Alex's world. So now... Uh, Alex like sees his agent still out there, and his agent's like a crack addict, and his life's become <laughs> real horrible. Um, I think agent's addicted like to it. drugs either way. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so don't feel responsible. That's the, uh, the career arc of agents goes from cocaine to crack. Um, and then uh, the Corinthian says to Alex, "He's like, you are only the beginning, little shadow. When I am done, all of humanity will kneel before me and beg as you do. Once I find the person who is the vortex, that's a concept that we've set up, is how the Corinthian was able to get out of the dream world, is there is a person known as the vortex who's kind of accidentally or intentionally opened a doorway so that things can leak out into reality. I don't oh, feel right. like I failed to set that up in the yeah, other Yeah, you know what? I forgot about that. Too, um, they also, the to be fair... It is not well set up. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. But once I find the person who is the vortex, I will accelerate the decay and consumption of the the realm of dreams. I will reshape the ruby and become the dream king over this reality. I will shape it into a haven for the nightmares inside men. (laughs) And then, now we go back and... Forget that it was all this is uh, happening while Rose was having her just her birthday party. Yeah. A lot of things <laughs> occurred in the time span. They're also having hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's at her party. I feel like this this scene. I don't know if it was in the Rocio and Elliot one before Avery, but it feels very Rocio and Elliot because their scripts are all kind of fun. Is that she's at her birthday party and then you just see Sandman being all like oh, yeah, grumpy in the corner. I, love that. I actually <laughs> love this scene. And she's the only one who can see him. Uh, She's like, who's this weird? In my head, he's wearing a party hat. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I would do. I'm blending in. (laughs) Um, 
And yeah, she goes over and talks to him, and he's actually surprised. As he notes, "I am not you. I am not usually noticed by mortals unless I wish them to be." Um, and then uh, I was just here hanging out at your birthday party <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> he's like, uh, "I love cake." And all this would have been funny. It's actually pretty in keeping with the script, but it's just like Sandman has like he's just so deadpan and mm-hmm. doesn't seem to respect how weird his presence is to anyone. <laughs> but he's basically just like. Hey, we need to go find your mom. She has my bag of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, I honestly love Rose Walker, and I wish this script was more focused on her. I think this is like more scenes with her would be really, really cool. Yeah, I, like I love how that she's like, you know what? You're pretty weird. Let's go. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, because he says like, I offer you a boon, whatever you want. <laughs> and she's like, All right, bro. She's like, I don't think so, but yeah. let's try. <laughs> well, then she, I think the end of the scene, she's like. Uh, but that doesn't mean I believe you. What a line, the master of dreams. Yeah, right. You'd be much taller and better dressed yeah. if you could do like, whatever you want. That's how things were in the 90s. You just meet a weird guy at a party, and he's like, I want to take you to find my bag of dreams. And you're like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, like, okay. Sure, this that party sucks I'm anyway. Tw- I'm 19, yeah. whatever. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a college kid. Like, what? Let's, let me grab my skateboard. <laughs> Oh, to answer your question, yes, it is in their previous draft, okay. the sequence. It felt that that seemed more them than Avery to me. Um, all right. So then they, I'm guessing they walk over to her mom's house, which seemed a little weird because she doesn't react to anything like crazy until he's on the skateboard. Uh, he's <laughs> holding on to her way. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> um, the, the first thing she's like, what the, is when he just like unlocks the door with his oh, magic. Yeah. Um, so apparently her mom still lives pretty close enough that she's just like, that's like the part of the movie I would have been interested to see that we skipped over. Where they were just strolling for yeah, a few blocks. Through the, through the streets. Yeah. yeah. She's like, uh, so what are you into? <laughs> <laughs> My magic stuff. <laughs> I need it back. <laughs> Ru- Let me tell you again. Ruby. <laughs> bag of sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm into. I'm kind of all about my bag of sand right now. <laughs> um, so they go into her mom's house, Rachel, the hippie chick we saw in the earlier uh, part of the uh, movie. And here, let's read through this part here. Uh, just kind of, because I don't think the cool thing about the movie, along with the like Jan Svankmeyer puppet craziness, um, is clearly, and I'm sure why the movie would have been expensive, is there's a lot of just sort of trippy, yeah. I actually think, a lot of what we ended up seeing in the Doctor Strange movie mm. um, of just kind of surreal imagery and kind of the walls bending and weird stuff. Yeah. But So they go into interior Rachel's house, foyer, night. The door moves The door moves slowly open, pushes a large pile of mail before it, magazines, letters, bills. Rose enters, frowns. Six months worth of mail. Oh, my God. Rachel? Mother? She moves towards the stairway. Sandman stops her. Rose, this place is not safe for you. Things are free in this house that should not be loose on earth. She stares at him blankly, blankly, not really hearing him. She pulls away. Don't give me any more of that crap. She might be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Don't give me any more of that crap. Crap. (laughs) Um, She runs off up the stairs, into her Rachel's house, top of stairs. Rose slows her ascent. The stairs have led to the second floor, which is unlike any upstairs to a house we've ever seen, at least while being awake. Rose finds herself standing in a Victorian room, far too large to fit inside the house. She steps into the... Steps into it only to be tricked by a forced perspective. She is suddenly too large to fit into the room and she bumps her head on the ceiling. What the? 
Then the ceiling is lifted off by the Sandman, who helps her out and into a sequoia forest with, a, with giant trees as tall as skyscrapers. But an uneasy mist seems to hang about the massive forest. The Sandman helps her out of the small box, barely big enough to fit for her to fit in. It's a present, and inside Rose sees the Victorian house like a dollhouse. Sandman places the box's lid back on. Where are we? We are still in the house, Rose Walker. The dream sand is the border of illusion, and someone is abusing it. We should proceed with caution. Rose looks around the forest and holds her arms out, exasperated. Sure, but to where? Um, so then they go in and find... Well, actually, there's a bunch of other crazy, trippy stuff, but mm-hmm. um, they go in and they find her mom, which is taken right out of the comics. And there's a pretty creepy scene of this woman who's been addicted to this, like, pouch of sand for <laughs> decades yeah. and is basically, like, rotting away. I almost imagine it being, like, that scene in Seven. Oh, yeah, totally. Where they find yeah. the, like, With the totally yeah. desiccated guy in the bed. Um, but she doesn't care because she just keeps eating the sand <laughs> and tripping balls and yeah. seeing whatever great stuff she wants um and then we kind of get some more good stuff or we'll read this little scene here the end of the scene it's kind of sandman's uh and they are very cenobite the endless and mm. oh, yeah. kind of just how detached and uncaring they are mm-hmm. about everything is that he gets the gets the pouch and then basically just wants to fuck off end mm-hmm. of story uh so let's start with the sandman line here at the top i have the pouch we can go now rose stares at him in disbelief <laughs> No, you can't just take what you wanted and go. You can't leave her like this. Sandman regards Rachel, who rises in the bed, humming a dry, croaking sound. Why not? The sand was the only thing keeping her alive. She will die soon. Painfully, I would imagine. He moves to the bedroom door. Rose stands. Then I request my boon. Sandman pauses. For helping you. The boon you promised. Sandman turns, eyes her, an almost menacing look. Yes. Give her... A merciful release from this. Please, you you can do that, can't you? Sandman is surprised. His look softens. He reassesses her. You could choose anything in the world, and you choose to help her. Her of all people. I am impressed, Rose. I should just say that we've kind of established that uh, Rachel was maybe not a great mom. Yeah, yeah. she's addicted to And Rose doesn't even sand. know when her birthday was. Yeah. It's like her mom. She was taken away from her mom. Um... She meets his gaze. Again, that connection between them. He nods. I will grant your desire, Rose. You must leave the room. Rose closes her eyes, opens them, looks on her mother one last time, turns, moves past Sandman directly out of the bedroom. Close on Sandman's hand as he sprinkles dream sand from his fingers. It falls, turning into petals that land on Rachel's forehead. She is somehow young and healthy now, lying back on green grass. More petals land. Rachel opens her eyes, smiles. We are... In the dream realm, green hillside, the sun is shining, a young girl, it must be Rose, a child, giggles as she drops petals onto her sleeping mother. Rachel stands, alive and healthy. She laughs, starts to spin, arms flung outward. Rose spins with her, twirling, hard cut to, back into the room. Uh, We just see that Rachel's still gross and has now... dead as fuck. (laughs) dead (laughs) as fuck. (laughs) Suddenly, death leans into frame. She smiles sympathetically, whispers into Sandman's ear. That was a lovely final dream you gave her, little brother. A petite kiss and she leans out, gone. There is a soft fluttering sound of wings, then silence. The Sandman is alone. Um, Cool scene. Mm -hmm. That whole sequence is really cool. Um, And I guess this may be... I now can't remember exactly when 
they establish all this. But the whole thing with Rose and how her had her powers, oddly enough, Steve, uh, I feel kind of I'm reading the Dune books right now. Oh, <laughs> oh boy! And a big thing in that is that um, if like a woman who like the Bene Gesserit, have you guys read Dune? I have. Mm-hmm. But the like psychic women, if they eat spice mm-hmm. while they're pregnant or like drink that special like fluid that lets them connect with all the memories of their ancestors then it's like their kids are born basically fully grown with like crazy psychic powers and i feel like there's a little bit of that going on in here where the reason rose is like that is because her mom was eating all this oh yeah magic oh, yeah. sand that makes sense that, those that tracks. spice yeah the spice fetal sand syndrome mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> watch out you may be able to become a vortex um, <laughs> And now the story takes a real crazy turn Mm -hmm. as even though we're still, like I said, uh, kind of looping back to the first episode that the movie is taking the prelude and knock prelude and preludes and nocturnes story arc. And then the one after that, which is the doll's house that I think the whole thing is now maybe that's like 12, 14 issues. Um, but now we kind of segue more into what the dollhouse plot was that involved Rose and the Corinthian and these collectors. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Corinthian goes to visit a uh, jeweler that he identifies as Nimrod, who we realize that Nimrod, as he notes, you know, I'm a collector myself. Uh, I have a shack in Vermont that nobody knows about with four full <laughs> chest freezers. Actually, it's about time I buy a fifth. <laughs> um, but so his his collector name is Nimrod and we learned also very 90s is they all have like forum chat mm. basically they're dorks is what you're trying yeah, exactly. yeah, they're, they're, they're fucking nerds yeah, they're, yeah it's like pre-reddit uh, like yeah, yeah they have chat, their, chat group they have their own uh, 4chan hey just for collectors yeah. <laughs> talking about all their uh, people they murder yeah, basically yeah they murder. Um, the, that Nimrod is a jeweler and so Corinthium has brought him this ruby, the ruby, which he's like reshaping with the idea that now it's like his. Um, and then while he's doing that, he notes Nim that he wants to use, use Nimrod's mailing list so he can set up a convention of serial killers, <laughs> which is where I'm also envisioning the execs reading this, just being like, what is happening in this movie? <laughs> Although this is one of my favorite, it, like the serial, the, the serial killer, which is in the comic spell, like serial, like breakfast cereal. Yeah. It's one of my favorite issues. Cereal con. Really funny. It's so. Uh, it's just like it's so dorky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and you can tell it's Neil Gaiman getting out some of his like Comic Con, sure, and just yeah, comic sure, convention sure. feelings. Yeah, because um, I was surprised like going into that, like how just inside baseball a lot of the. Well, we'll we'll get back to that once we get there. Um, but then we go back to Sandman, who's returned to his dream realm, um, and this was always one of my favorite from the getting all his stuff back segments in the comics is where it's time to collect his home and he's like, I must talk to Morningstar. <laughs> um, Sandman, we go through another Spankmire puppet version of him <laughs> going down to hell. Um, and here's a fun scene. We <laughs> yeah, this scene is great. Where he gets to hell. And I also just like the description of it. Exterior gates of hell, day. <laughs> uh, Sandman touches down in a barren landscape. Before him is hell. The walls of hell are not what we expect. It's not constructed of living bodies, nor is it a twisted, ornate... Um, 
Antonio Gaudi-ish design. No, this vision of hell is far more insidious, far more diabolical than any before imagined. There is no fire in brimstone. There is no lake of fire. The entrance to hell is balanced and elegantly simple. The design was commissioned by Albert Speer, the principal architect for the Nazi party, who was a real guy. So I guess they just decided mm-hmm. that when Albert Speer went to hell, they were like, they we were got like, a job for you. Yeah. They're like, we've been waiting for an architect. <laughs> exactly. We, Not many architects go to hell. really like what you did in <laughs> Germany. Uh, the gates of hell are sol- solid silver doors of, or solid doors of gleaming silver, smooth and designed to dwarf the visitors as they enter. It is designed to not only be attractive, but to intimidate. In any other reference, this sound, this could be heavy, or any other pr- reference, this could be heaven. And this is all voiceover from Sandman. Yeah. The last time I came to this place, it was as an honored guest, an envoy for my own kingdom. This time, I lack my symbols of office. I stand here, alone and afraid, in the naked space at the gates of hell. Sandman ascends the long, balanced steps that lead up to the gates. Near the gates, a severed head has been impaled on a spike. The head's eyes open suddenly, and a grin crosses its face. Ah! There's one at the door! There is one at the door. At the gate to damnation. Is it thief, thug, or whore? There's one at the door, and there's room for one more till the end of creation. I wish to talk to your master (laughs) immediately. And who might you be? I have many names, but I am the king of dreams of the nightmare realms. I seek Lord Lucifer, the lord of hell. King of dreams in my eye. So where's your crown? Where's your ruby? Sandman unexpectedly lashes out with his fist, <laughs> slugging the head. It spins on its spike, a comic image if it weren't so grotesque. I will take no more insults from you, little demon. Guard your tongue. Lucifer will not be kind to one who insults an honored guest. And I am a guest in this realm, as I am the monarch of my own. The head grins through bloody lips. Squatter bloat. <laughs> the <laughs> gates of hell rumble open, revealing a demon figure veiled in silhouette. Take the dream cloud. Cloud? Clown. Take the, take the dream clown. Guard him and guide him. He's new in town. So now this character is interesting. This is the one remnant they kept in the movie from the comics where we see another famous DC character, with which is... Etrigan the demon, uh, I guess because they figured, well, he's just a demon. You don't have to yeah. know yeah. who he is. Uh, uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. So Etrigan is there. For innocence abroad need guides of note, and who notes more than me? The figure steps forward into the light. The demon figure, a golden leaf, leaf? Oh, that is what it says. A golden leaf, half man and half reptile. He is named Etrigan. More than me, more than Etrigan. Sandman moves towards the gates. Etrigan, yes, Merlin's demon, the half-man. I remember you. So you're a rhymer now? You've risen in hell's hierarchy, I see. Things change in earth and hell. As uh, he walks in through the darkness of the gates. This way. Um, still think it's funny that they used him. And keep this, that's the line from the comic where he's like, so you're a rhymer now, which I think is maybe like referring to things that happened to the character over the years. Or it's just and, an insult. Ah. It's like showing up at your high school's 20th anniversary, 20th reunion and be like, so you're a rhymer now. <laughs> yeah. oh, cool. That's a nice. What's that in the equivalent of uh, like a bank manager or something? <laughs> or I, I don't know, insurance salesman. Yeah, yeah. So you're a rhymer now. Selling huh? cars now, huh? <laughs> that's nice. Um, 
So then there's like a whole sequence where they're wandering through hell to get to Lucifer's palace. Uh, uh, the one noteworthy thing in that is that Sandman crosses paths with Roderick Burgess, now uh, Burgess now rotting in hell. Um, and Sandman says to Roderick, he's like, you call yourself wicked without knowing what that means. Burgess, for your deeds against me, this is my judgment on you. You shall know who you truly are. I take away your dream. Uh, which I think is kind of a cool punishment. And then basically Burgess is like, ah, I'm pathetic. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just love that. Like, you shall, my punishment is to show you as you truly are. Dumb. Such <laughs> <laughs> a big dumb idiot. Down here in hell. You're, you're a dummy. You're boring. <laughs> you like, are a loser. Um, so now we get to Lucifer, David Bowie. Mm-hmm, I, would, mm-hmm. I hope he would have been cast <laughs> in the movie. Um, and they summon, basically, he's like, yo, one of your demons has my helm. He's like, which one? He's like, <laughs> So they summon all the demons. Sandman is able to use his sand, like, swirls around and wears Waldo's, which one of the demons has it, who's a demon named uh, Coronzon, a duke of hell. Uh, and he's like, give me back my helm. And Coronzon is uh, rightfully like, hey, I traded... For it from a mortal, a fair trade. I've broken none of the laws of hell. If you want your precious back, then you must fight me for it. Um, so they have a duel. Uh, we'll read just a snippet of this scene to get an idea. This is a cool duel. Yeah, it's also <laughs> yeah. straight from the comic. It's, it's like a yeah, rap battle very... in hell. Okay. Um, it, this would have been really interesting because it's like normally it's like, oh yeah, expect them to fight, but they mm-hmm. have kind of a weird word game. A word duel. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like a poet off. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, yeah. So I have it down as a poetry slam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if in Sandman hell. loses, he'll be trapped in hell for uh, eternity. High stakes for Sandman here. Uh, yeah, so yeah. let's just start with mm-hmm. this uh, corns on line. As the challenged, I set the meter, meter and take the first move. I am a dire wolf, prey stalking, lethal prowler. A wolf in the woods, not just an ordinary wolf, a big wolf. Funny, I think this year to explain what a dire wolf is, but now we're all living in a post-Game of of Thrones world. Thanks, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, A big wolf with snarling teeth that drip blood and eyes that glow in the light of the moon. It slowly stalks forward. Sandman is quick to reply. I am a hunter, horse-mounted, wolf-stabbing. Mm-hmm. The, wolf. <laughs> the wolf is suddenly run through by Twitter a spear. It buckles and falls to the ground. We see that the spear came from a hunter on horseback. A hunter who, while not being Sandman, has his dark, limitless eyes. Cornzone smiles, enjoying the challenge. He licks his lips, then makes us move. A horsefly on the horse's ear. I am a horsefly, horse stinging, hunter throwing. The horse bites and rips into the, fl- or the horsefly bites and rips into the flesh of the horse's ear. The horse buckles and throws the rider, and then it kind of just keeps going on like that um, it's until like the- one of those your mama battles. Uh, it's like a your mama battle. Yeah. Do I have the end of the scene highlighted? No. For you guys, uh-uh. that's okay. It just it ends with like, corn zones. Like I'm. He's like. Yeah, I am anti-life, the beast of judgment. I am the dark end of everything. Basically, like, I am the universe. What are you going to do? Like, basically feel like... Yeah. <laughs> seems like the way this battle would always go. Just want to say, it's only you yeah, would yeah. always get Yeah, it just universe. keeps getting bigger. And then uh, Sandman wins by pulling an Obama on him. He's like, I am hope. And then... <laughs> Drops the mic. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Coronzon can't come back from hope. Um, and so uh, he wins and has to give his helm back. 
Um, well, by the way, in the previous draft, it takes place in the Hellfire Club, a dingy nightclub. Demons sit at small tables placed too close together near a dingy stage. Lucifer watches from a seat in the shadows, not touching the drink in front of him. So it's kind of interesting. Same as in the comic, actually. In yeah. The comic, exactly. comic, it's also exactly. in a club. The Hellfire. And then, that got, and then the, the band in the 90s, right? The Hellfire Club. I think club. there's a whole X-Men yeah. thing, Well, the too. Hellfire Club was a real yeah. club, I believe. Yeah, that like posh, like libertines yeah. and stuff. I just know that the... band on Cleopatra Records. That's not what I'm going <laughs> from. No, I think the real thing is like yeah. in the 17th century it was for yeah. rich assholes to basically be like Alice, uh, Alex Burgess. And his, yeah, you know, it his, was rich, guy, rich, rich white dudes who had a lot of money and wanted to get into weird shit. A variety of babes and ordering pinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were pinks. <laughs> Whatever the Victorian equivalent of pinks, pinks hot dogs was. was. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Meat> skewers. <laughs> yeah, so then uh, he gets his helm back. Now he just needs to get the ruby. We cut to Rose, who shockingly is having her dream, her first dream, and her mom's in the dream. She's like trying what to a, get her out of there. What a, Can you imagine your first dream ever? Your uh, mom's yeah, in. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Oh, Mom, get out of here. You're dead. <laughs> Uh, And then the Corinthian shows up. Um, Then we're back with Sandman in his dream world, talking with Lucian and Matthew the Raven. Um, I really like this bit, too. They're, like, talking about... They're talking about the Vortex, and uh, they're like, oh, where are we going to... How will we find him? And then suddenly Sandman just, like, looks and points directly into the camera lens, and he's like, the Vortex is not a he, it is a she. And if you look closely, you will see her (laughs) observing us right now. This is the I am no man moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's like he can see her, like, she's entered the dream world. Rose wakes up to see that the Corinthian's there. Uh, he takes off his sunglasses, revealing that instead of eyes, he has two terrible fanged mouths that snap and bite. And I love this, sometimes each talking. And there's a bunch of dialogue that's like his eyes yeah. just kind of trading which one speaks back and forth. So annoying. Yeah. Uh, and this is when we reveal that he is her father because her mom, while in one of her dream sand binges last weekends uh wanted like a lover or whatever and he showed up and they made a weird crazy baby i feel real bad for rose yeah, yeah. Rose, has, rose has a wicked and the whole thing life. is that she like slept through the pregnancy slept through the like yeah, uh, yeah. Through having Some the baby sleeping uh, beauty mm-hmm. inappropriateness yeah. going on there um sandman shows up him and corinthian have a battle corinthian actually manages to win um because now he's got his Sweet Ruby and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and now we get to Serial Con 98. <laughs> <laughs> um, hold on. Read. Where is that? So we, this is a little bit of what the con is. This is the Corinthian arriving and he's got this human-sized trunk, which we can infer that Rose is inside. Yeah, not suspicious at all at a serial convention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Empire Hotel's lobby, which is filled with other collectors mulling around in the main lobby like geeks at a Comic-Con. <laughs> uh, we eye- get it, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> they practice- that is crazy to think, though. This is back when the world didn't really know much about Comic-Con. Yeah, this yeah. is before Hollywood mm-hmm. kind of took it over in the aughts. Um, their eyes practically jump out of their heads at the sight of the Corinthian as he is, as if he was Quentin Tarantino himself. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. We know. We Avery giving a little love to his buddy. Um, <laughs> 
Like total morons, they stand there, mouths gawking open, not sure whether they should approach him and have him sign uh, their programs or tell him what fans they are of his work, in quotes. The way the Corinthian basks in this attention is disgusting. He feels like he's the star of the day, which of course he is, but stars do fall. Gravity ensures it. That's in parentheses. Yeah, kind Tom? of a weird, okay. like, yeah. Yeah, he's going to get his. Don't oh, yeah, worry yeah, about like, it. In case we're worried reading yeah. the script, we're like, I don't know, maybe uh, Sandman doesn't win. The Corinthian is dragging the trunk along the carpet. It makes a nice... A uh, smooth dragging sound. One of the collect, uh, one of the collectors who's working at the uh, registration desk, a large fat dork who calls himself Funland. He wears a little black skull cap, a little black skull cap with a little black uh, cat ears on it, that once may have, uh, oh, that once have been of mouse ears. Like he cut them, shaved the mouse uh, ears. Like I guess a, so like he's, a Disney, he's wearing Disney a Mickey one. Mouse yeah. beanie and he uh, carved the mouse yeah, ears okay. down. In my head, I always think of it as like one of those little. Propeller beans. Propellers. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking it was a propeller this whole time. Uh, he sits in a folding metal chair that strains under his massive weight. The Corinthian approaches the desk. Uh, excuse me, is this where I register? And this is where they get into all the like real silly Comic-Con stuff because Funland notes to him. He's like, oh, you need to wear your badge at all times. <laughs> You'll need it to get into the convention areas. It's, it's um, such a weird early shade on mm-hmm. cons. Yeah. 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 Um, but then there's kind of a goofy sequence, which I'm also guessing is probably Elliot and Rocio, uh, where they're like, the elevator's over there. And he's like, oh, no, I want to take the stairs so we can just, like, yeah, drag, drag the trunk with Rose inside painfully all the way up these stairs. Uh, he gets into the room. He lets her out. He's like, don't worry, Rose. I wouldn't kill you. The last thing I want is for death to make an appearance. Um, but he's basically like, eh, like, I need you, but I'm probably going to torture you endlessly. Mm. Um Rose just can't catch a break. I know. Mm-mm. Poor Rose. Um, yeah, he gets up, or then we cut back down to the convention floor. Nimrod is giving us, like, basically the opening of the convention speech. He's, like, telling everybody the rules. Second rule is, we don't shit where we eat. Nobody does any collecting until the convention is over, and you're at least 200 mm-hmm. miles away. We've got an entire evening pan, planned panel discussions, as well as a couple <laughs> really fine films running in the Santa Cruz ballroom. <laughs> Natural Born Killers, Silence of the Lambs, California. Oh, yeah. uh, I do like, like the all-female serial killer panel that was <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty good um i mean yeah was, there's like then i mean it would have been great again i'm still imagining the executives being like where's sandman what if like <laughs> there's like page upon page where we're just seeing different parts of the serial con and like the different panels they're having really silent for a while and going what's a convention <laughs> <laughs> Acting like they know what Comic Con is. Yeah, yeah. Can we add in a spider? I'm bored. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where does the big spider come in? Um, There's a nice, real creepy sequence where, like, Rose manages to break out of the room with the help of Funland, who at first is, like, helping her and then increasingly is, like, getting really creepy. Yeah, and like, a a small child. He's like a pedophile. And he's like, How old are you? And she's like, Oh, I'm like 20. And he's like, No, no, you're probably much younger than that. Right? Right. Right. Yeah, it's really creepy. Um, Again, a weird, weird uh, comment on Comic Cons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and she ends up killing him, and Death shows up. Um, and I, I like this bit is that Death shows up and like immediately realizes like, oh shit, like <laughs> there's some bad stuff going down that clearly involves my brother Sandman. So she says to Funland, uh, who much like that earlier Burgess scene we saw 
uh, in the previous episode. Uh, he's like, you're one lucky guy. I'm too busy to take you away. And he like comes back to life. But I think he's like bummed out about it too. He's kind of like, wait, I don't get to go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Death rushes back to Rose's apartment where Sandman's been like, I guess kind of unconscious. I wasn't totally clear on that. It was basically yeah, like yeah, yeah. the Corinthian beat him unconscious yeah. um, which doesn't totally make sense put I the feel ruby like in a sock and just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally um, then she brings death brings Sandman back to Serial Con where Sandman rescues Rose um, and confronts Corinthian and is basically like if you would steal a dream lord's power then you shall do it in dreams <laughs> and they go to have a whole battle uh, back in the dreamland. Dream this is when that dream gun would have been really yeah, helpful. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. um, they have a big, crazy, surreal fight in the dreamland. The kind of cul- culminates with Corinthian realizing that the way to destroy Sandman is by destroying the ruby. But oops, that backfired. And by then- the way, I just want to say this is also the end to maybe Freddy versus Jason. Where yeah right Wait, doesn't Freddy mm. pull Jason into um, a dream world? Oh yes yes oh, yeah. Yeah. Look <laughs> and at then you. is able to defeat or, him. Or one of the humans does it? I think Somebody, pulls, I thought Freddy no, versus Jason he pulls yeah. Jason into the dream world and then is able to defeat him because he's in dream world. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe oh maybe they, it is opposite. I think they pull Freddy out of the dream world, realizing that then Jason can, can kill, kill him. him. Yeah. There is an earlier part where they fight in the dream world and yeah. Jason can't do anything. Yeah that's right. Okay sorry just saying. You're on the same page. Though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and for any of those interested in Freddy versus Jason, we have an episode about Freddy versus Jason versus Ash, <laughs> in which we also briefly highlight all the attempts to get Freddy versus Jason made. Oh, wow. So many unmade movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Corinthian smashes the ruby, but uh, oops, it didn't work. Sandman reappears kind of gloating, and he's basically like, thank you, Corinthian. I had forgotten how much of my power I had placed in that jewel, and you released it. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Um, and then I love that Sandman uncreates Corinthian is how it, because he's just be- like the Etch-a-Sketch he just shakes him really yeah. hard because <laughs> <laughs> he's basically like I made you uh, and you didn't work out so great so I'm gonna unmake you you suck that's fair um, then he goes back to the serial con and he does basically the same thing but on a grander scale that he did to Roderick Burgess where he says like all, to all the collectors you're all dummies yeah but he's basically just like look you're all losers he's <laughs> <laughs> like until now you have all sustained fantasies in which you are the maltreated hero of your own stories mm. wow no more wow judgment yikes in <laughs> uh, now you will realize just how much you suck and despair <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, you're all losers. Go back to your mom's basement. Now we have kind of a long scene to read, but I like it because it's it's pretty cool. And again, just kind of what a crazy, even because I'm sure all the executives were just like hit comic book about a guy with powers. They're like superhero movie. And it's like there's no superhero stuff, weird, crazy, effed up things. And then this like kind of insane ending here. Uh, so let's let's read through yeah, it's, it. It's you a guys. huge bummer. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So inter- interior Empire Hotel banquet hall. Um, they've gotten rid of all the collectors. The room is empty except for Sandman and Rose. Sandman holds his hand out to Rose. Come, it is time. Time for what? You're a vortex of dream, Rose Walker. It is time I close the vortex and repair the dreaming. And you're saying that because I'm this this vortex, whatever the hell that means. You're going to kill me? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> You're kidding, aren't you? I mean, you saved my life, and now you want to kill me? So 
That's a joke, yes? Sandman simply stands there, staring at her with his deep eyes. No. No, you're really not joking. You're not the joking type. You really want to kill me. She sits in one of the many empty chairs, sad. Guess I should have known. My life is so screwed up. No point in living anyhow. What's the point in living if you can't dream? Why did it have to be me? This is such a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) It would have to... Yeah, I love that. Why did it it have to be me? Mm. It would have to be someone. Which is such a... Such a pinhead. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, real to <laughs> uh, He touches her shoulder. It somehow comforts her. And my duty would be the same to them. The vortex, by its nature, destroys the barriers between the dreaming minds, destroys the ordered chaos of the dreaming, until the myriad of dreamers are caught in one huge dream, until all the dreams are one. Then the vortex collapses in upon itself, and then it is gone. It takes the minds of the dreamers with it. It damages the dreaming beyond the pair. It leaves nothing but darkness. So that's why all my friends are so screwed up. I was hurting them? Referring to the other friends we saw earlier from the Dream Studies group. Yes, consuming their dreams by proximity. Soon you would have consumed the entire world. It is one of my functions to prevent this from occurring again. Again? It happened once before. A world was lost. Eons ago, when half a universe away. I failed in my duties then. A whole world perished. I will never let it happen again. I am sorry. The sincerity hits home with her. For Christ's sakes. Look, just do it. Stop friggin' apologizing. Just do whatever you're gonna do, okay? Just do it. He leans forward to kiss her. Death is not always a bad thing, Rose Walker. <laughs> like, what a weird come on. Like, I'm going to murder you. Hey. In a sexy way. In a hot way. <laughs> Listen. He brings his lips close to hers and hovers for a moment just over her lips, then stops. Wait. She pulls away from him. What? What is it? There is another way. You could come with me to the dream world, allow your mortal body to die, and take your position next to me as a dream. But it is final and eternal choice, Rose Walker. Once you would have never be allowed to, once made you would never be allowed to leave. How? We would join our souls, become one. How do any two people join their souls? Salmon leans down Found and gently away. kisses her. <laughs> like the weirdest way to hit on somebody <laughs> ever. <laughs> Um, match cut to interior dream realm, Sandman's palace. Sandman and Rose break their kiss. In best fairy tale movie fashion, they now stand in the throne room of the palace, dressed in finery. Sandman leads Rose up the steps to two thrones, identical, equal. He gestures for her to sit. She does. He takes his place beside her. Rose looks around in happy wonder at the palace. She turns to look at Sandman, who is already watching her. Camera moves in as he takes her hand, their fingers intertwining. And this is death speaking. Brother? Cut to interior back at the hotel. Death stands there. Uh, she is subdued and sta- sad. Sandman looks up. A tear runs down his cheek. That was a lovely final dream you gave her. Sandman cradles Rose in his arms. Her head lulls back. She is dead. She deserved no less. Death nods. She sweeps an arm across Rose's body. There is a sound of wings, and then death is gone. Sandman sits there in the empty room, holding the dead body. A single crystalline tear cascades from the hollow of his eyes and falls down to his forehead. What a bummer. I know. But then the ending of this movie is very confusing to me. Yes. 
I want to discuss that because I also don't have any answers, really. <laughs> but because um, this is not from the comic, like Rose no. Walker continues to do other things mm-hmm. in later story arcs. But we, Sandman is at her funeral, and all her sleep studies friends are bummed that she's dead. Um, in case people didn't follow what happened there, he gave her a nice death by tricking her into thinking she was going to co-rule the dream world. But it's really, really dead. Yeah. She's really dead. Psych, you're dead. <laughs> um, that was good. Wow. That was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was going to say, I actually, <laughs> imagine how great it would be if Arnold Schwarzenegger was dream. You know what? Uh, if enough studios had touched this, it probably would have been yeah, a version where Arnold was going to play really Sandman. dream mm-hmm. puns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You are by the dream within a dream. <laughs> um, but uh, so at the funeral, and then he goes back to talk with Matthew and Lucian in the dream world. Uh, and then basically, it's they're like, he's kind of bummed out, and they're like, you seem different. And they decide that, like, we're all kind of, yeah, we are, after all, just a dream to those in the waking world. Why can't it all be one dream, or the dream of one? And then it's like now all of the dream world is going to be Rose's dream? But she's dead. Okay, so that... that I don't know what... I don't remember So that didn't make sense to anybody. No. I wasn't, no. Also, he's known this girl for a day, and she's like 19. Yeah. Calm down, Sandman. <laughs> well, she did that nice thing for her mom. Who she yeah. didn't really know. That, yeah, that was I the guess. saving. That was her. That was like her moment. I'm just yeah. imagining the rest of the endless, the next family get together. It's like, so we've all been here from the beginning of time. And you <laughs> gave one of our realms to a 19 year old you've known or like for two she days. Has to come yeah. to the family dinner. He's like, everyone, this is Rose. <laughs> she's, a, she's a vortex, right? Yeah. I mean, so she's like, and she's sort of. she's like awkwardly at the table. She's like, hi guys, I forgot to tell you, I'm vegan. Before we have dinner, <laughs> I'm gluten free. She's an old soul. <laughs> <laughs> She's very mature for her age. She gets me. <laughs> like Dennis Quaid. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I just read that news. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Dennis Quaid is 65 and he just married like a 20? 26. 26-year-old? Mm. <laughs> Live your life. I, I'm sure I mean, his daughters are very. I'm really proud of her for gunning for being a black widow like that. Within two weeks, we're going to see <laughs> Dennis Quaid die a mysterious death by yeah. falling down some stairs. I applaud her. Wait, enjoy. you think that there's a lot of Dennis Quaid money she's hoping to get? He has spent all of that on drugs. Oh well, my goodness! Don't you think? <laughs> hey, at least had a comeback. At least did marry Randy Quaid. Okay, fair enough. I feel like he's going to have gonna something. Quaid. Mary she Dennis did pick a, a, yeah, she did. A, a better Quaid, but I feel like to attract a 26-year-old, he's got to have something. Maybe he's got a lot of real estate. Did you guys see The Intruder? I want to see that. Oh, my God, I forgot he's about that great movie. That. I want to see uh, that. <laughs> Wait, what is a recent Dennis Quaid movie? That's the one, The Intruder. That's The Intruder. Yeah, yeah, There's a black family, and he's their new neighbor. Isn't he with a movie with a dog? I might be like a Christmas dog movie. Movies? No, there's all these dog movies. Like right? Oh, yes. Like a dog's no. journey. Yeah. yeah, something like you that. You should have Bria on for unmade dog movies. Yeah, right, let's oh do God. it. Right. Um, well, anyway, Dennis Quaid sidebar. Um, <laughs> all right, let me... I'd say we'll edit that out in post, but we don't edit our episodes. So, Steve, tell us, <laughs> all right. what, what then didn't become of this movie? Uh, six months after this draft, in January 97, Avery pulled out of the Sandman Project and he described as creative differences with the Peters company. Apparently, they wanted Sandman in tights and a cape punching out the Corinthian. So he <laughs> left. 
And one of the Arnold Schwarzenegger Yeah, versions. yeah, yeah. He could have done With it. a big dream gun. Yeah. 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 And then another writer came on, William Farmer, who, would, who at the time had the unproduced Jonah Hex script. And he was kind of forced into writing things into the draft. Like, um, things were forced into it that really didn't belong there, he said. Uh, producers were adamant that the upcoming millennium must play a big role in the new script. Oh so he God. had to put that in there. This is so 90s. Wow, yeah. so, 90s. Yeah. so late 90s. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and another producer insisted for reasons I'll never understand that there be a scene with Morpheus in a rave club. Very nice. So very, very nineties. And so, and little, that, no, little did they know that later on they would get a Matrix movie with a Morpheus in a rainbow. Oh my God! Look at you. You're right. And then, ain't it, cool, ain't it cool news got hold of the draft and they ripped it apart. That the Corinthian and Luth and Lucifer were Morpheus's brothers. The death character, Sandman's sister, was replaced by a character named Love. Oh my God! Wow. And at Boom. the ending, it was all just a dream. And, wow, and the so, worst. Uh, you had that, yeah, the end of Jacob's Ladder, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or Dallas. And then another, <laughs> and then the following year, David Scow from The Crow, who wrote The Crow, came in, and he did two treatments. And then 10 years- Have you talked with David about that? I was that? just going to say, I want to text <laughs> David right now and be like, send me your Sandman treatments, please. <laughs> so he wrote two, and then 10 years later, March 2010, um, it started getting kicked around that it could be an HBO series. Gainman wanted it to do it with uh, Matthew Vaughn from uh, X-Men First Class. Yeah. And then HBO was in talks Oh, because Matthew Vaughn did, what's his Neil Gaiman movie? But he oh, made no, no, it. I'm sorry. His second movie was a Neil Gaiman movie. It was. Oh, uh, Starring uh, Robert Stardust. De Niro. Yeah, Stardust. Stardust. I didn't ever see that. Stardust yeah. is horrible. And then, and then uh, May 2010, uh, HBO was in talks with James Mangold from Night and Day and the uh, Wolverine movie. Mm. And that didn't happen. And then in September 2010, uh, Eric... Kripke of Supernatural series. Creator of Supernatural. Yeah, uh-huh. he was going to work on it as a TV series. And then that got canceled in March 2011. And Gaiman came out on his blog and said, I saw a bunch of press about whether there is or isn't a Sandman TV series. As far as I know, no one has actually optioned Sandman as a TV series. <laughs> and, and it seems like he would know. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Kripke of, of Supernatural fame pitched his approach to DC and to me last year. We liked it and we liked it and we liked him, but it didn't feel quite right at that point. So we passed. And then um, the Wolverine director was back. James Mangloid was back talking about it in 2013, November. But the following month in 2013, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, was attached to Star, and no. David Goya was attached to Wright. I like it. Yeah, and then August 23rd, okay. 2014, like a year later, Levitt uh, brought on all of the guys that worked on the Batman movies, the Nolan ones. Uh, Levitt mm-hmm. to Star and direct and produce. And actually, Levitt- Wait, so Levitt to Star, direct, and, and produce? Yeah. yeah, so he wasn't gonna play Sandman. Gaiman put out a tweet back in June that he was gonna play uh, Corinthian. See, that oh. I would be wicked into. Keanu. Yeah. Keanu. Yeah. 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 No, he would be a good Corinthian. Let's he start just, a campaign, I guys. just feel like yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt kind of does belong in a comic book movie. Some, mm-hmm. I know he's he in Batman, make, but... He would make a great Corinthian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he just like lives... He could live in that world real easily. Yeah, it would have been... Yeah, so it was going to be him, Goyer, and the screenwriting... The screenwriter, Neil Gaiman. 
and the folks at Warner Brothers that pretty much worked on all the Batman Nolan movies. Jeez, that'd be great. Yeah, and then a year later, New Line Cinema started to house all the DC vertical comic label movies because Justice League and Aquaman and Wonder Woman were too big, and they pushed it to New Line. And then a year later, March 2016, um, they got a new writer, the guy who wrote Conjuring 2, Final Destination 5, and Nightmare on Elm Street. The following day... I think, wait, is that... And then the following... The guy who went on to do the arrival... Eric Heiser? Yeah, that's him. Oh. Okay. And so he was attached, and then the following day, Lev, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, backed out of the project. Anyway, actually, I'll pause there because I highlighted. He actually, this is, I'm just, this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt's words that he posted mm-hmm. on Facebook. Um, uh, Re Sandman. So as you might know, if you like to follow these sorts of things, a while back, David Goyer, G- David Goyer and I made a producing deal with Warner Brothers to develop a movie adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Neil himself came on as an executive producer. We hired the excellent screenwriter Jack Thorne, and we started in an ambitious task of adapting one of the most beloved and boundary-pushing titles of the in the world of comics. I was pleased with the progress we were making, even though we still had quite a ways to go. Recently, as you also might know if you like to follow these sort of things, the sorta ownership, for lack of a better term, of the Sandman series changed hands when Warner Brothers shifted the entire catalog of Vertigo Comics, an imprint of DC, to their subsidiary, New Line. Um, And then just kind of highlights from there that things fell apart creatively. Yeah, and then uh, there was was a lot of rumors that that was canceled because they thought Sandman was going to be in Justice League Dark, because at first... That I never was announced. Liked that idea, by the that way. was yeah. announced in 2012 with Del Toro. Just imagine then... him sitting in the background with all the superheroes, like "Hi guys." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's I, the party pooper. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I looked into it and I couldn't really find any any f- proof that he was going to be a part of it because it went through multiple. That went through multiple directors too: Doug Liman, Del Toro, and uh, Joseph Kahn. Nice. And there was actually some concept art released when Sandman was in none of those. So I think that was all a rumor that. Sandman was going to be, be a part worst. of that. Well, I feel like DC respects Neil Gaiman enough that mm-hmm. I bet he, even though I'm sure they could technically do whatever they want with it, probably like to get him to okay what they do mm-hmm. with the character first. Yeah, and then, and then um, oh yeah, by the way, in uh, February, going, uh, I'll, I'll say this after this next bit. Um, so now, bring last June 2019, June 30th, uh, Sandman TV series from Neil Gaiman, David Goya, with huge price tag goes to Netflix. And so Wonder Woman screenwriter Alan Heinberg will be the showrunner of the Sandman TV series, while author Neil Gaiman and David Goyer will be the executive producers. And the Netflix series will cover the first eight issues of the Sandman preludes and, nocturn- and nocturnes. Hmm. But um, something I forgot was back in 97, right, after the, right around the time Avery left, they did greenlight a death uh, movie that was going to be from the three book series by Vertigo in 93 and then that was supposed to happen twice also and that never happened yeah that's yeah. one I feel like I always see pop up yeah. I just mm-hmm. pop up occasionally yeah that's the history sorry I rushed through it I mean time. <laughs> if anyone is crazy enough to spend the amount of money you need to make the series it's Netflix yeah so yeah or uh, Amazon yeah yeah. You know, yeah they both would spend I mean they made good omens yeah. yeah, which is another game and property, which is also a big 
a big, big like weird, expensive mm-hmm. weird show. But so this one might actually happen. We'll see. Yeah. I haven't yeah. I haven't heard more about it beyond that. I actually yeah, that hadn't even heard that. I didn't know that. I was heard because I saw Neil tweeting about it. Uh. Yeah, and that, yeah, and that's when he tweeted about uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the Corinthian, actually, and um, and he liked his script also. He said that. Um, that Sandman movie was dropped by Warner and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt moved on and the script for it was one of the best adaptations so far. That Joseph Gordon-Levitt that wrote? That yeah. wrote it. Wow. But I love that there's been that many attempts that he's like, that was one of the best ones of the like 20. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. It just, just, just let Neil write it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like he'll do the best. Well, looping back to this one, yeah, what, what did you guys, what do you, what do you think this movie would have been with this this script, and if Roger Avery, Avery had been the one to direct it, do you think it would have turned out good? Uh, I it would be very interesting. I, what year did it come out? Was it going to come out? Um, this would have been like it would have been pre crow. Like I think they were planning for the ninety eight because they the serial convention was called Serial Con ninety eight. Oh, so, so there you go. Yeah. I feel like it would have been great nineteen ninety eight movie. It would yeah, it would have been very strong nineties aesthetic. I think it would have been. I think it would have gone down like something like um, like The Crow or something oh, like crap. that. Where it would like be any of those like kind of a, movies, kind yeah. of a cult classic, kind of weird. Probably more expensive than it would have made. Like cost oh, more than it would have made, probably. Yeah. But like we would all still talk about it. Yeah, yeah. it would you be know? a total cult movie. Yeah. For sure. Also, probably would have had a lot of really awful CG in it, though. Oh, just given the yes. year and a, and a weird big. soundtrack. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Nine Inch Nails would have done the soundtrack. Or Ra- something. Some Romstein going on. Yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Around the time of the Spawn movie soundtrack, right? Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Out. This would have been like '90s goth gold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think like I think we all would be like, no, it's a good movie, and <laughs> we would have fond memories of watching it. Yes, yeah, but I don't think it would be. I don't think they would have probably made a sequel. Well, it's hard <laughs> no. to tell because Avery's never directed. A movie even remotely like this, and especially nothing no. this big in scope, because I think he had the problem like a lot of people do, unfortunately, to get highlighted on this show, is that he was like hot for a bit after Pulp Fiction and Killing Zoe, and got attached to a bunch of stuff that didn't happen. I mean, him and Neil Gaiman wrote a Beowulf movie yeah. that Avery was going to direct, and then never happened, and eventually became that CG. Robert Zemeckis oh. mocap movie. He was a part. Oh yeah, and he was gonna do. There was another game and story called Black Hole, and that was gonna be made in two thousand six. At Black first, Hole, the comic. Yeah, that's not Neil Gaiman though. That's uh. Charles. But was Avery gonna do it? You're well, saying. Well, script was gonna be by Roger Avery and Neil Gaiman. Oh, oh wow. And then David Fincher was gonna direct. Well, um, it's interesting that him and Gaiman just that's became more of a Cronenberg s- screenwriting movie, buddies. Yeah, that's a really strange. Black holes. Wait, it's holes wait, hold on. It's, it's called Black Hole. Black Hole is a twelve. Black Hole is a 12-issue comic book written yeah, and illustrated by Charles Burns. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About so the he, teenagers who all get a sexually yeah, a, transmitted disease that makes them grow like weird things on their body. That's a Cronenberg movie. Yeah, Whoa. it's a real body horror. Whoa. And, and it's a great, it's great. Aja was attached also at one point to direct that. Yeah. Yeah, this movie would be, we would still be wearing weird costumes from it, I think. Yeah, I, like a Beetlejuice situation? Yes. I actually kind of think... Hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> you know how there was, like, in the late 90s, early aughts, there was a a bunch of really weirdly good 
fantasy horror sci-fi miniseries like Merlin, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Rose Red. I can see this being something like that yeah. with like kind of shoddy CGI, but like really cool costumes and stuff. Because there's like so many goth, like goth industrial dudes who wanted who would want to dress like him. Yes, I mean they already mm-hmm. did. I think. That's, and then yeah. it was just you <laughs> they just would just lean into that. They would just buy little pouches and a little and ruby necklaces. Yeah, ruby necklaces, and <laughs> little pouches. Let's bring the pouch back. Let's put your coke in a popularize the pouch. Put your drugs in a little pouch. And it would have started on Schwartz. <laughs> Which is funny, actually, because a bit of the same kind of jokes with him and Rose that they have in Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Where it's yeah. just kind of like, you can't do that, you emotionless weirdo. Oh, yeah. Come with me now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put, a funny, put a funny party hat on Linda him. Hamilton as Rose Walker. <laughs> Whoa. I, that's one thing I wish had happened is that they gave Rose more to do. Yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of just being like born along by the story I wish she had a little more agency well it'll be interesting if they do this Netflix show first of all if it's just an ongoing show which it should be Mm -hmm. but as that little blurb said that it was preludes and nocturnes and I'm curious will they just do that and then move on to the next thing or if it'll be like this where they kind of start weaving in I hope I like it they'll have to have Constantine in there and they'll have to have which should be played by the guy guy. God, that guy is so good what is his name Matt I don't know. Somebody, okay. Know. Sorry, I'm sorry, the, sir. The guy from uh, the TV series? Yes. I oh, think that, was, that was good. Yeah, I you're right. I think the guy is like- He looks exactly like He's him. so yeah. much like him when I was watching it. It was like, I, I, I loved that show. The reboot, the reboot. The <laughs> no, yeah, it was good. I, I I watched the first few episodes and I really dug it too. Yeah, I actually really no. like the structure of this. I think that they, them melding the first two trades together, making it more cohesive, making it more coherent. I think that's the way to go. I don't think a straight adaptation of Sandman would work very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Gaiman famously said, it'd be interesting to see how the show works, that as the comic went on, he acted like Sandman was a real celebrity that they increasingly couldn't afford that much like they could only get him for one day so if you read the comics as it gets later in the series they're more just like these contained stories and then salmon just like yeah. shows up at the end yeah, yeah. interesting again like pinhead, <laughs> yeah, like pinhead. <laughs> it's true uh, yeah. well let's wrap things up there uh what do you guys have coming up that we should be aware of and how can people find you on the uh, interwebs the- Paperback of Lady from the Black Lagoon comes out uh, next March, so you can pre-order that right now if you are a paperback person or want to get it as a present for somebody. Uh, you can find me at Mallory O'Mara, MalloryOmara.com. Just say Mallory O'Mara into the wind and <laughs> I will appear. Say it three times in the yes. mirror, spin around. And if you say Mallory O'Mara three times into a mirror, all of a sudden you will be wearing glasses. Lots of books will be around you. <laughs> What about you, Bria? Oh, uh, um, uh, yeah. I'm Bria Grant on all the social media. You can hear me every week on Reading Glasses. Every Thursday. With Mallory. Um, I have some things I've done. It's hard to say. You I so watched many Pandora things. on CW, and then I have a couple of movies that I wrote that are one I directed and wrote and one I wrote coming out uh, hopefully early next year. One Pandora picked hours. up for a second season. Pandora just got picked up for a second season. Mark Altman, bring me back. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at NeverMadeFilm and Instagram as at Best Movies Never Made. And we usually post any kind of like artwork that had been done mm-hmm. for these projects and pictures and whatnot. So there is some bonus material you get. Yes. Um, 
And thanks for joining us. If you're a fan of the podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts, like the 430 Movie every Friday, in which a group of writers and producers curate fantasy theme weeks of classic movies. And Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life. Available every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, very special thanks to Bill Ritter and everyone here at Electric Surge Network, including our producers Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman. So until next time, this is Steven Scarlatta. And I'm Josh Miller saying... We won't see you at the movies. This show was produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.